The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. And we're going to talk about a new year, of course, and a new you. Uh, it seems like uh, we were talking last week. It, it seems like something special about a new year, and it is. Uh, really, it's just another day in the calendar, but uh, it just every time we get to the end of a year, we kind of look back at last year and we look forward to a new year. And uh, a lot of times we make uh, uh, resolutions for a new year and uh, it's kind of a fresh start. Uh, an elderly man moved into a retirement community, and it wasn't long till he had made a, a number of friends. And uh, among the other residents, there was one lady that he especially uh, became attracted to, and she was attracted to him, so they spent a lot of time together. And finally, one e- evening, he proposed and asked her to marry him. And uh, the next morning, he woke up, and uh, he remembered proposing, but he couldn't remember what her answer was. So... Uh, he uh, kind of sheepishly went to her and said, uh, you know, I'm really embarrassed to admit this, but uh, I know I had a proposal to you last night, but I can't remember if you said yes or no. She said, oh, thank goodness. Uh, I remembered saying yes to somebody, but I couldn't remember who it was. And um, sometimes we're that way with our uh, New Year's resolutions. We we uh, decide uh, that we're going to make a resolution, and in a few weeks, we can't even remember what it was, who it was about. And uh, the New Year is a time of reflection, kind of, but it's also a time of, of that we can uh, uh, change our course, that we can uh, uh, make some corrections in our course. It's often a time when people make decisions to turn over a new leaf, and uh, maybe they're going to exercise regularly and lose weight, or maybe they're going to grow uh, uh, physically or spiritually some type of way, and they uh, they think that uh, this is a good time to start over, and I think it is a good time to uh, not to slip uh, into old habits, but to start new habits, and uh, the problem is uh, so often uh, after just a short time, we, we end up slipping back into the old habits. Well, this morning, we're going to look at Paul, and uh, in Philippians chapter 3, we'll start there in verse 10. This is what Paul says. <laughs> he said, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. Now, this, Paul's talking about Christ up in that verse 10, in verse 11. And so, somehow, to attain the resurrection from the dead. <clears throat> Not that I've already attained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwardly in Christ Jesus. Now, Philippians 3, Paul's writing about how to be a success in life. If we looked at a new year, we would probably all say, you know, I want to be successful this year. And Paul puts this together. There's a lot of books on success today, and we can read a lot of things on how to be successful. And and there's a lot of books on solving life's problems and finding answers. The ironic thing is a lot of those people that have written those books uh, are are written by unsuccessful people. They have no real experience. They They simply write a book, and probably somewhere in their mind they're thinking, if I write this book and it's 
success, then I'm going to be successful. So they just pick a topic and they, they write some things. When, when I want to learn about success or when you want to really learn about something, what's the best person to go to? Now, I'm not talking about Christ, but, but what's the best person to go? If you want to learn to be the, the best uh, fisherman, what do you want to do? You want to find a fisherman that's a success, don't you? You want to go to somebody that's, that's proven their success in any area. I mean, I used fishing. I was thinking about on TV, we can watch all the fishing shows. We can watch the professionals, and we can try to learn how they're successful. But in any area of life, <coughs> when we really want to be successful, we need to find someone who's been successful, and then we can start modeling or, or doing things as they do them, and, and try to share in that success. We learn a lot more about success from life, uh, in life, from our models than we do from some manuals, because manuals, we're not going to learn that. So ultimately, Jesus Christ, is our, He's our ultimate model. <coughs> Excuse me. But next to Him, I think one of the most influential people in all of the Bible, next to Christ, has got to be Paul. I want you to think about what Paul has done. He, he's a man who lived his life to the fullest. That was Paul. In Philippians 3, we kind of have Paul's autobiography. The, the first part of the chapter talks about Paul's past. Then he talks about his presence. And then he talks about his future. So I want us this today to look at the example that Paul gave us. And, and he gives us four different things. And we're going to kind of briefly uh, consider these things. And, and these are four keys... To, to successful living. And I've given this a lot of thought, and I think when you look at it, you'll really begin to see that, that if we want to be successful, a new you in a new year, I think if we'll look at these four things, we can say, you know what, there, there's some good advice there. Paul's a success. I want to look at how Paul was successful, and then I'm going to try to mirror those things in my own life. Here's the first thing we see from Paul. We see evaluation. That's in verse 13, the first part of verse 13. Paul says this, I consider myself. He does some self-evaluation. And I think for successful living, and, and as we look into a new year, uh, we have to begin to consider ourselves, and and uh, we don't have to we don't have to be uh, putting everything and saying I've got it all together because I think when we want to when we want to be successful, successful living starts out with the ideal of of I may not have it all together. I may have some shortcomings. I may have a long way to go and a long way to grow. And, and we begin to evaluate ourselves. I've not arrived where I want to be. I'm not perfect. And, and you might say, well, that's easy. Uh, I, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm talking about really doing an inventory of your life. I mean, you're thinking about where do I want to be? Where do, where do I want to go from here? And, and then begin to examine yourself and start looking at the areas that you need to improve in and that I need to improve in. Now, here's the easy thing. The easy thing is for us to look at somebody else, isn't it? And say, well, if they would do this, this, and this, they'd be a lot better person. Let's forget about that. And let's say what Paul says. I want to look at myself. Verse 13, Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Paul himself was honest about his faults. He was honest about his weaknesses. And, and in the Good News translation, uh, listen to what it says, translated this way. I don't claim that I've already succeeded or that I've become perfect. That's what Paul says. He says, I've considered myself. 
And I don't claim that I've been successful, that I've succeeded, that I'm where I need to be or that I'm perfect. Now, to me, that's an amazing statement. Because if you know about Paul, at this time, Paul's kind of an old man. And if anybody had the right to claim, I've arrived, it had to be Paul. I mean, think about what Paul's done. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Paul single-handedly spread Christianity throughout the Roman Empire. Paul had a major impact on the world. You know, he was the, he was the apostle to the Gentiles. That's us. And, and that all started with Paul. So as Paul examined himself, think about all the things he could have said. He could have said, man, you know, I've preached to, to governors, I've preached to, to kings, I've preached to the Roman governor, and I've stood in front of everybody. I've, I've, I've spread the gospel throughout the world, the known world at that time. But instead, Paul said this, you know, I consider myself, and, and I, don't, I don't think I've reached that goal. I'm still growing. I haven't arrived. I'm I'm still, I'm not perfect by any means. So as we do that, the point that successful people is this, successful people never stop growing, do they? It doesn't matter your age. That's what Paul is. He's he's an old man, but he's saying, I'm still growing. I'm still moving forward. Successful people, they're always developing. They're always growing. They're always expanding. They're always, they're always learning some new things. And this year, at the end of this sermon this morning, <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to, to pick something out this year that, that you'll say, this one thing I'm going to do. And, and maybe it needs to be some of those things that Paul says. Maybe it's developing some area. Maybe it's growing some area in your life spiritually. Maybe it's expanding some, some thoughts or, or your, your spiritual work. Maybe it's learning some new things. So many people today, they're contrary to what Paul said. They're, they're the complete opposite. Many Christians give the impression that, you know what, I've arrived. I, I'm, I'm past that point of sin. I, uh, I'm, I'm a good person. I, I, I can't show that I have inadequacies. I can't let anybody know that I have limitations. I, I don't want people to know that I have weaknesses. So we come to church and we, we just put on a facade. And, and I preached a message on this one time. And, and we put on this, this outer facade that, hey, I, I'm, I'm here. I, I've, re- I've, I've reached my, my goal. So this year, as we examine ourselves, we need to realize, as Paul realized, we, we have some shortcomings. And, and when we begin to realize that, then, then we can start making great steps towards having that successful life. Rather than saying, look how far I've come, we kind of may need to say, look how far I have to go. And the thing is, that's something positive. That's not negative. You, you don't leave her this morning saying, oh, Jake's talking about thinking about myself and how negative it is. No, that's a positive. When we realize, hey, I got some room to grow here. That should be a positive thing. Listen, in, in Proverbs 28, 13, this again, this is a good news translation. It's the good news Bible. It says, you'll never succeed in life as long as you try to hide your sins. Confess them, give them up, and then God will show mercy to you. Successful people, I believe they're honest about their shortcomings. I, I believe they're transparent, and, and transparency leads to joy, doesn't it? If you live a life of always hiding something, isn't that, doesn't that rob you of your joy? But when you live a life that you're transparent, you're just uh, Charlie Pride saying, today and every day, I'm just me. 
You know, when we can say, I'm just me. This is who I am. It's uh, warts and all. This is what you get. And, and I think when we, when we begin to live our life this way, we, we begin to find pleasure and we find joy in our life. And the way we reach that point is to realize that through self-evaluation, hey, I have some shortcomings. Now, here's the second thing. I kind of like this. I'll go ahead and tell you this story. John Wesley, y'all probably heard of him. He's a, he was a preacher back in the 1700s. Uh, he was, he was a, a kind of a, a spiffy dresser, a, a, a nice dresser during that day. And one morning, he wore a bow tie. And, and in his bow tie, the, the ribbons hang, hang pretty low on him. And, and at the end of the sermon, a lady walked up and said, Brother Wesley, are you open to criticism? And he said, well, I guess so. What would you like to criticize? And she said, well, the ribbons on your tie are entirely too long, and those are inappropriate for a man of God. She took her scissors out and cut them off. And those standing around, there was kind of a hush there. So Wesley said this, uh, may I borrow your scissors for a moment? She handed them to him, and he said, ma'am, are you open to criticism? And she said, well, I... I suppose I am. And he said, well, all right, stick your tongue out. Uh, isn't it easier to look at somebody else's sometime and say, hey, this, th- this is what you need and this is what you need. And, and what I've seen Paul said is he said, you know what, I looked at myself. And, and as I looked at myself, here's my second point, there needs to be some elimination. Paul says this, I examined myself... And as I examined myself, I needed to eliminate some things. And what did he say in verse 13? I was forgetting what was behind. Now, folks, I think this is very relevant because how many times do people, and maybe some of you and maybe me, we're manipulated by our memories of the past. In other words, we, we, keep, we keep thinking about and hashing up things from our past. When we start to grow spiritually, we think about what, what's happened in the past and, oh, I remember these failures and I remember when this happened and, and I've tried this before. And, and because we've had failures in our past or because we've been hurt in the past by someone or because we were, we were kind of vulnerable to someone and, and they didn't respond how we are, today we, we, we have those things and we're hanging on to them. And Paul says, hey, I evaluated myself and I realized I needed to forget some things that was behind. In, in the movie uh, with Puma and, and Warthog, and they're talking to Simba, the Lion King. Y'all know that movie? Do you know that movie? Does everybody watch the animated movie of the Lion King? Well, in that movie, you remember that, that uh, Puma and, and Warthog is talking to Simba, and they say, you've got to put the past behind you. He's talking about his past and where he came from. And, and, uh, and they say, just put your past behind you. Forget about it. Well, then later in the movie, Rafiki comes. And he was the, the baboon. And, he, uh, and Simba's talking about his past. And he cracks him on the head with that thing he's got. And, and uh, he said, what was that for? And he said, that's your past. He said, well, it hurt. And he said, yeah, sometimes your, hurt, your past can hurt you. But the movie says this, but you need to learn from it. Learn from your past. So Paul says this, there were some things in my past. And, and think about Paul's past. What was he? He was the persecutor of the church. He was one who went out and killed Christians. He had them stoned. He persecuted them. He dragged them out of synagogues. 
Paul done all of those things. So if anybody could have said, you know what, think of my past. Man, I had a terrible past. I was going against Christ. I was going against the church. I was going against Christians. I was having them persecuted. I was having them stoned. Paul says this, you know what, I learned some things in my past. Isaiah 43, 18 says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past, for see, I am doing a new thing. Well, God is doing a new thing, but, but how do we forget our past? I don't think it's possible sometimes for us to forget our past. I don't know that our minds are built that way, but that word, zakar, it remembers, it, it, it means remember not. And when we study that word, what that really means is don't remember or don't dwell on your past. So if we have a, a mind that's not able to forget our failures in the past, what Paul uses the word here is this, don't dwell on your past. Don't keep hashing up those thing, same old things from your past over and over and over. He says, after you evaluate, eliminate some things, forgetting what is behind. Psalms 25, 6 says, Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from the days of old. Remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways according to your love. Remember me, for you are good, O Lord." Uh, a retentive memory is a good thing, but we need to have the ability to, to, to forget those things. And that's, that's, the, that's the mind of a great thinker. That's what Albert Einstein said. During a civil war, Robert E. Lee was visited by a woman from Kentucky, and she showed him the remnants of a big old, old oak tree in front of her house. And Robert E. Lee was there, and she cried bitterly about the limbs that had been broken and, and all the things that had been destroyed by this Union artillery fire. And, and she was expecting Lee to condemn the North for that and, and to say something that, that would sympathize with her loss. And here's what he said. He says, Lee paused a moment and said, Madam, cut the tree down and forget it. I mean, that's some good advice, forgetting those things that are in the past. And, and then pressing on towards the things that are ahead. There's a couple of things that I want us to think about. We need, we need to forget about our failures. Don't, don't, don't rehearse the things in our heart that God has forgiven us for a long time ago. You know, the Bible says that when we confess our sins and our, our praise team sings a song that, that God has cast our, far, our sins as far as the east is from the west. And the Bible says when we sin and we confess our sin, God remembers them no more. If God has forgotten those things, if God's not dwelling in those things, we need to forget those failures. We need to move on. We need to learn from those failures and move on. But here's the next thing. We need to forget our successes sometimes. How many people do you know live in the past? I mean, they're living on past successes. They, they say, man, I remember when I was this, and I remember when I was that, and, and all of their memories are from past successes. Those are good things. Remember them, but, but we don't need to dwell on those things. Paul says this, I'm forgetting what's behind. We need to quit living in our past and say, okay, God, this is a brand new year. This is 2018, and, and what does my future look like? And I want to press on towards that future. And that comes up with the next point here, determination. Paul says, you know what, I evaluated myself. I found some things that I was left wanting. I, I did away with some things. I, I forgot my failures. I forgot my past. And then I had some determination. He says, I'm straining towards what is ahead. 
and I press on, in verse 13, straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for that which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is the principle of determination. Absolutely nothing worthwhile in life happens without effort. Isn't that true? Nothing in life worthwhile happens without effort. I mean, the only way you, you coast is what? When you're going downhill. If you're going downhill, yeah, you're coasting. And, and if you're coasting today, you're headed downhill somewhere. Paul, Paul says this, I run to finish the race. I press on. I, I'm pressing to win the prize. I'm, I'm not to a point in my life. I'm an older man. I, I'm not just going to coast. But I'm going to press. I'm going to, I'm going to move on. I'm going to strain for what is ahead. This is a letter. I want you to listen to it closely because it fits us sometimes. Nobody in this room, of course, but it fits people sometimes. A pastor got this letter from a church member. He said, Dear Pastor, you often stress attendance at worship as being a very important for a Christian, but I think a person has a right to miss every now and then. I think every person ought to be excused for the following reasons. Uh, and these number of times that I've indicated, Christmas holidays, the Sunday before and the Sunday after, two days. New Year's, the party lasts too long, one day. The Easter holidays, we like to get away for a couple of days. July the 4th, that's a national holiday, one day. Labor Day, I need to get away, that's a couple of Sundays. Memorial Day, I have folks come visit from my hometown. That's a Sunday. School finally out. We need a break. That's a Sunday. School reopens. One last fling. One more Sunday. Family reunions, of course. My wife and mine, we end up at three. Oh, I slept late this morning. I ain't going to be able to make it. That's about five. I've got a business trip. That's a must. All year, five total. We have vacations three to four weeks. I have to cook for my family today. That's three. Bad weather, ice and snow, clouds. Can't get out in that weather. That's two. I've got ball games with the kids. That's two. We have the races we like to go through. That's two more. And, oh, I had unexpected company. They came a couple of times. I can't bring them to church. That's two more. Well, time changed, and I forgot. So that's a couple of more Sundays. Now, there's a special coming on TV, and besides, the Super Bowl is next week. That's three. So, Pastor, that leaves two Sundays. So you can count on me to be at church on the fourth Sunday in February, the third Sunday in August, unless we're providentially hindered, sincerely a faithful member of your congregation. You know what? We can look at that, and we can say, how crazy is that? But start adding it up, it's easy to do, isn't it? I mean, I mean we, can, we can have an excuse for every single event we have at church. We can have an excuse for every opportunity we have to come together. I can have an excuse for that. I, I could give you reasons, and, and they're legitimate reasons. I could say, you know, I just can't make it. I'm not going to be able to make it Sunday. I have this, and this came up, and these folks are coming. I have this to do, and this to do, and that to do. And, and you know what? We can, we, can do, we can always have reasons. But listen to what over in Acts 20, 24 says, However, I consider my, wife, my life worth nothing to me. 
If only that I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Paul said this, I'm determined. I'm determined. God has a plan for me. and, And even though I could come up with all these excuses, I'm determined this year to finish what God has started in me. Here's the last thing this morning we see in verse 13. Concentration. Paul says this, this one thing I do. This, this one thing that I do. If, if all you do is forget the past, you may have amnesia. That don't mean anything. If successful people, they're goal-oriented. Successful people, they, they, they focus on the future. And, and they have some goals. The secret to success is, is concentration. Think about professional athletes or successful athletes. What do they do? They specialized. They, 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 we, we can't know anything. We can't know everything. And, and we can't be everything. And we can't do everything. We need to have a goal. We need to say, hey, this one thing I'm going to concentrate on. There's a... I found a statistic that said less than 5% of the people in America write down a life goal. Less than 5% have a goal in life. Of those 5%, they are the top leaders in their field. You know why? They, they said, you know what, I'm going to concentrate. There's some things that I've examined myself. There's some things I need to forget. There, there's some things I need to be determined to do. And with all of those things, I want to concentrate on this one thing. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that all, the ra- all in a race... We get it here. Do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Paul's saying this, I'm going to concentrate on this one thing. Now what Paul's talking about, he's talking spiritually, isn't he? He says, this is what I want to do. I'm going I'm to concentrate on this one thing. Spiritual growth, it's not an accident. It doesn't just happen. We don't just coast into a spiritual growth, but, but it takes a, it, it, it's something intentional. It's something we intend to do. It, it's something that we make a choice. And, and if we're not growing spiritually, we can't blame our wife or our husband or our kids or our Sunday school teacher or our pastor or our parents. It, it's a choice we make. And, and Paul says, I'm making this choice. And, and this one thing, I, I'm making a choice. And, and if you don't feel close to God right now, you know what? God hasn't moved. We're the ones that moved. And, and as we look at 2018, I, I hope you'll take what Paul says and, and say, you know, I did some evaluations and there's some things I need to forget and there's some things I'm determined to do. And when you decide what you're determined to do, Paul says this one thing concentrate on this one thing. This morning, what I want to ask you to do as we, as we come to a close is, is would you choose one thing to do differently this year? Now, I started this morning to pass out a piece of paper and have you write it down, but, but you know, that takes some thought sometimes, doesn't it? Some thought to say, spiritually, this one thing I want to do this year. I'm not asking you to, 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 to make a list of 20 things are 52 things. I want to do something different every week. I want you to say what Paul says. 
in 2018, there's one thing. As I've examined myself, as I've thought about forgetting some things of the past and not living in my, uh, not living in my successes in my past, I want to be determined this year to do one thing differently spiritually in my life. Whatever that is this morning, would you say, okay, here it is. I'm going to concentrate. I'm going to focus on this one thing that I might grow spiritually this year. I want to ask you to bow your heads, and we're going to pray together. What's that one thing that you would do this year that says, you know what, this is one thing I want to do? Maybe there's, I can't even start to give any ideas, but maybe there's one person that you say, you know, I I really need to witness to that person. And and this one thing this year, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to have an opportunity. I'm going to do something to fill that, that person that God's put on my heart. Maybe it's to be a part of some of these fellowships. Maybe it's, maybe it's to be a part of some ministry going from this church. Maybe it's to start a new ministry in this church. Maybe, I, could, I could go on and on and on because only you know through self-evaluation, through eliminating some things from determination of, of, hey, this is where God wants me to be. Paul understood what God had for him. And he said, I'm an old man and... And I haven't, I haven't attained it yet, but I'm going to press on. It's going to take a little effort this year, but I want to be successful this year. So as we pray together, if you, if you right now say, well, you know, I'm just not sure what that one thing is, would you just ask God right now to show you that one thing? If you've never accepted it as your personal Savior, I promise you that's the first step. Because God said... Through Jesus Christ, if I'm lifted up, that I'll draw all men into myself, all people into myself. He was talking about his death on the cross when he was lifted up from this earth. We're not going to grow spiritually until we've settled that point of salvation. If you have doubts, if you don't know, won't you settle it? Father, I pray this morning as we really consider successful living in 2018. As we're able to take someone in Paul who had a successful life in so many areas, as we're able to look at his recipe for that successful life and living, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't merely hear those words today and, and deceive ourselves, but Father, we would really consider ourselves and where we are and knowing that all of us here today We've fallen short of your mark. <coughs> Some of us are saved Christians, but we're just sinners that saved by your grace. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will lead us to those areas that we need to forget, that we need to not focus on past failures or live on past successes. But Father, you'd give us that one thing, and we'd have determination that this year, I'm not going to forget it in two weeks. I'm not going to fall away, but, but I'm going to choose one thing this year. I'm going to concentrate on that one thing this year, and I'm going to press on. Lord, I pray your spirit today, not through a bunch of foolish words that I had to say, but I pray your spirit today would open our hearts, open our minds to your truths and your desire and your direction. Lord, you tell us in your word that Uh, if we'll just trust you, if we'll lean upon you, not try to figure it all all on our own, that you'll direct our path. Lord, I pray today that we would lean upon you, we would trust you, 
you would lead us and guide us and direct us in the places we need to be. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.